you know, I drove a couple blocks up and put the pedal to the metal and crashed my truck into a wall on purpose. Uh, the lights went out. I remember uh, waking up and seeing the ambulance working on me and ripping up my shirt and hooking me up and I went out again. And then I woke up in the hospital and the doctors showing my face and doing all kinds of stuff and saying, I just remember him saying, this guy's going to need reconstructive surgery. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, Use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. All right, welcome back to this travel edition of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. You're listening to us on Testimony Tuesday. And uh, when I scheduled this interview, I thought it was going to be a normal Wednesday for me. I thought I would be able to be sitting at my desk, but... Uh, because of a scheduling uh, mishap, I'm on the road today. So you get the lower auto audio quality. We apologize about that. But we are so glad that you're here with us. And for today's episode, we are joined by two special guests. On the line with us, the previous guest of a Testimony Tuesday episode is Pastor Rick Warren. Thanks for joining us, sir. Hey, thank you for having me, Adam. It's a privilege. Hey, well, it's, uh, we appreciate you making the time once again. We appreciate it. Anytime. Anytime I can help. Uh, I, I think what you're doing is a, a great thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, um, the guest that we have on the show today is uh, as a result of your recommendation, and so we'd like to welcome to the show for the very first time, Pastor Danny Dinn. Welcome, sir. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Thank you for making the time and for being with us. We appreciate it. And uh, so you guys know each other because you're from the same mother church in West Las Vegas, Pastor uh, Pastor Scott Lamb. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Pastor Danny, would you, uh, would you mind, first of all, giving us the, the conference-style introduction for those who don't know you? Uh, greetings. My name is Daniel Din. Uh, me and my wife, Cheryl, and my two children were launched out of uh, January 2021, uh, conference in the Arequipa, Peru. And as soon as we got here, we've been seeing God just kind of contact us with key people. Uh, you know, we had to navigate at first the, uh, just all the COVID restrictions that was, they had just came out of lockdown. Uh, and so we're navigating that and, you know, just believing God, but God put key people in our direction. And so, uh, we were able to get, uh, our building, uh, and since day one, we've had people every service. Uh, and so God's really been helping us. And so the church has been open for about a year and three months now. And uh, we got disciples starting to rise up, people getting involved. Uh, we're doing monthly discipleship classes, and we have men uh, in attendance. Uh, but like I always like to testify, what I like to look at is the prayer room and the outreach. 
you know, uh, people are coming to church and, and it's a great thing, but I get more excited when men start coming to morning prayer. And so we're seeing our morning prayer meetings, uh, really growing. Uh, people are getting involved in prayer and fasting, our outreaches. Uh, we got people in attendance, uh, every outreach and they're helping us get in the vision of our fellowship. And so it's pretty exciting. Uh, but God's not just giving us, uh, Peruvians. He's also given us, uh, Venezuelans. Uh, and some Americans as well. And so God's, uh, got a sense of humor. You know, we come here expecting, uh, expecting to see Peruvians want for Jesus, but we're seeing other nations, uh, want for Jesus. And so God's doing a, a good work out here. Uh, people are getting involved in the 180. And so it's, uh, it's, it's at the cusp. It's about to start breaking through. And, um, you know, we just want to thank everybody for praying for us. My pastor, Pastor Lamb, the West Las Vegas Church, and our many friends out in the field and out in the nations that have been praying for us. Uh, we're taking out a keep up Peru for Jesus. Amen. Fantastic report. Well, I, I have to tell you that Peru has a special place in our hearts now because uh, out of the Chandler Church, we have a missionary there in the capital city of Lima, and our church yeah. took took a uh took an impact team there back in the month of june so we were there for five days it was a fantastic time and god just poured out his spirit on that church in a magnificent way so just a precious people and we got to be a part of small part of what god is doing there man it's just great revival how, how far are you yeah. away from lima um a plane flight it's about an hour and a half driving it's 16 and a half hours so we're completely south of Peru. Okay. And have you met Pastor Alvarez? I am good friends with Paul Alvarez. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, yeah, just God doing such a great work there and precious people. We had a fantastic time. So uh, I'm envious of the opportunity that you guys have there. And uh, I guess for anybody who's listening, the door is wide open in Peru, isn't it? Correct. It is wide open. Uh, it's prime time. Harvest is, Amen. Harvest is right. We need workers. <laughs> How many churches are there in Peru? Well, I would say the bulk of them are centralized in Lima. So that's where, you know, you got some national, some national pastors in, 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 uh, churches that have been established there for a while. And then there's probably about three in northern Peru and there's two of us in the south, two of us in Arequipa. And, uh, both our churches are probably about barely the same age. So they're, they're newer churches. All right, well, let's jump into testimony for Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Danny, and, and also uh, for our audience, Pastor Rick, who's with us as well. Um, since uh, you guys know each other, please feel free to jump in at any time and ask a question or add a comment, all right? All right, that works. <laughs> so, Pastor, Pastor Danny, um, going back to uh, your childhood, where did you grow up and what was, what was your life like for you growing up? Well, I grew up in, in the Los Angeles area between, uh, back and forth between, between South Central LA and the San Gabriel Valley, uh, Baldwin Park to be exact. Uh, and so, you know, it was a rough, it was a rough, a rough upbringing. But we were back and forth, yes, from San Gabriel Valley in, in Los Angeles. Okay. And your family, did you have brothers and sisters? Uh, I had a sister that I, that I grew up with, um, stepfather, my, my real mom and my real dad and my mom were split up. So, uh, I, you know, I grew up with my grandparents, 
And then I went to go live with my mom in Los Angeles at about, uh, I would say, 13, 13 years of age. Oh, wow, that sounds pretty pretty rough. Um, so when, we haven't how, got how old yet. were you? <laughs> how old, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how old were you when you went to live with the grandparents? Uh, I was, my grandparents raised me up to the age of 12. So uh, basically, my mom had me at a very young age. She was at probably about 15 years old. Um, and, uh, you know, she couldn't, she wasn't living at home. She was living uh, with her friends. And so she uh, uh, worked it out where uh, my grandmother were, and my grandfather were going to raise me. And so uh, pretty much my whole life, up to 12 years of age, I lived with them. Uh, in the San Gabriel Valley. Yeah, it so- sounds like she was not ready to uh, to be a mom. Yeah, I would say so. I don't. I, I, I wouldn't know any 15 year old that would be ready. Exactly. And, and what about Dad? Where was he in this story? You know, he was never around. Uh, he was never never a part of my life till uh, 16 years of age, and so I met him for the first time at 16. And, and by, by that time, I was you know I was pretty lost. I was, you know, young. I got involved with drugs at a very young age. And so, um, I just wound up getting a hold of them and, uh, I needed a place to stay. So I went and stayed with him at six, 16 years of age. And I didn't, I didn't know him. Uh, and the very first thing we did when, uh, when I walked in that house is, uh, we started smoking methamphetamine together. Um, that just, uh, you know, I was already involved in that lifestyle, but, you know, he was a lot older than me, and he uh, was really bound for years, and so that just kind of made me downward spiral uh, quite a bit. Wow. So so when did uh, when did you start getting sucked into the, the scene of drugs and alcohol? As, as, as far as I can remember, I mean, it, it's just always been around. It's been around in... Uh, in the neighborhood where we grew up, it, it was just everywhere. So I, w- I, w- I would say maybe 12 years of age. Yeah, and so w- w- was that connected with like a party life or more like social activity? Uh, I would say I would say it'd be a combination of all of those. I mean, you know, the just the the trends and the style of the 90s. You know, it just that's what what you wanted to do, I guess. Or that's just what what was all around us, and that that's what we got involved in. And so it was just all around us. We all got part involved, of, you know, some uh, part of the uh, the world that you lived in, and it seemed like normal to you, huh? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, our, my parents were, were using, and uh, it was just, you know, it's a generational curse, a uh, generational curse, and, and just a lot of different, a lot of different factors, but uh, sin is sin, and it, and it and it's pretty ugly. So between the ages of uh, sounds like twelve and sixteen, you're still living with grandparents, but getting sucked into this um, lifestyle. And when when you moved in, uh, or when you moved out of your grandparents' house, did that have a positive or negative effect? Well, well, the thing is, is that uh, at twelve years of age, I started getting into a lot of trouble in, in the streets. And so my grandparents just couldn't handle me anymore because uh, I was causing a lot of uh, a lot of heartache at home and just getting involved in a lot of bad things. And so uh, at 12 years of age, they sent me to go live with my mother, uh, which was, you know, a very wasn't good at all because 
very unstable home, her and my stepfather, and it was just uh, just a broken home. And so uh, uh, I would say 13 and 16, I was staying back and forth from my mom's house and friend's house and uh, et cetera. And so uh, in that time period is when, at 16 is when I met uh, my real father and and really got involved heavy in drugs. I mean, I was already using, but I really started getting ready uh, at that age. Hearing testimonies like this, you know, people that are living that life at 12 years old, it, it just, it's hard for me to to wrap my head around. When I was 12, you know, I was playing with, with toys, you know, I was in a stable home playing with toys and, you know, playing sports and stuff. And I'm looking at my my son here, uh, my my wife and I's oldest son, and he's 12. And, you know, he, all he's ever known is, is growing up in the church. And so I'm looking at him and, and you know, and I'm trying to imagine a 12-year-old kid just out there in the streets, you know, doing meth and, and getting high and getting drunk and just living that life. And it's, it's just mind-boggling, you know, to, to think about that, how a 12-year-old can get wrapped up in that stuff and, and be living that life. And, and I mean, I, I don't know if you look at it from that perspective, you know, to me, uh, it makes this kind of a testimony even that much more powerful, you know, how, how God can move in a person's life when they have experienced that type of life at such a young age. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, it's uh, hard to imagine. So, I mean, at that age, you probably didn't have like a whole lot of income. How, how were you able to get your hands on, on this stuff? Um, I was I was selling to support myself, support my habit. So, you know, I was, I, I was selling methamphetamine. Were, were you involved in, a, in that, with drugs? Or was that like a, a network that you were part of? Yeah, I mean, it's all, we were all, we were all connected. I mean, um, we were just, we, you know, we well, were Well, talk about that a little bit. Like, what, yeah, what, what did that mean to you? Um, was, was that kind of a, a replacement for the, the lack of your family integration? Um, you know what? I, I, I've never really thought of it like that. It was just, you know, you just, it's like the Bible says, he who sins is a slave to sin. It's, I mean, I don't know if it was, if I was looking for, to replace the family, it was just something that would, I, I was, I was bound in. It was, uh, and it wasn't just that I was bound in it. I desired the lifestyle, you know, it, the sin had a, it had a hold on me. And so I really never really paid attention to what I didn't have growing up or who wasn't involved in my life. I just, you know, at, at a young age, I thought I was grown and, and I just wanted to live that lifestyle and, and, and have girls and sell drugs and, and use drugs and party. And, and that was kind of just, uh, my only focus. And so, uh, it was, it was a bondage. It was, it was, it was a bondage. How long did this kind of lifestyle continue? And so, I mean, I was living that lifestyle probably 20 years of age. And so when I was 18, I, uh, I met a girl and, uh, we wound up uh, living together, and so, uh, you know, we were using together, and she got pregnant, and, uh, you know, we we kind of tried to do a family, but uh, bondage was just, it, 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 it held on to me too hard, and so I would 
you know, I'd leave from the house and, and it was just a, it was a mess. And so uh, she was pregnant and she, you know, of course she didn't want to use and she wanted to get her act together. And so uh, I didn't, and I just got worse and worse and worse. And so um, we wound up splitting up and, uh, and I was just out in the streets, um, living from old hotel, friends' houses, uh, different people's houses, selling drugs, just, just a man. So, uh, I remember, uh, and, and I actually used this in a sermon illustration the other night, but I remember, I want to say it's probably about two or three in the morning, sitting in my car in the neighborhood, parked in front of my friend's house, and, and I just kind of got this, this fear that came over me and I got scared. I, I thought to myself, I can't remember the last time I ate and I slept. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I, I just want to change my life. Uh, but I can't. And, uh, you know, I was so bound because, you know, the Bible says he who sins is a slave to sin, no matter what sin is that you're involved in. I mean, it, 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 it has you as a slave, you're bound. And so I remember, you know, because I kind of had that new age mindset, you know, I believed in all kinds of uh, just, you know, just different, uh, different things. And so I thought to myself, because I actually believed in, uh, in reincarnation, I believe that, you know, you, you'll get a second chance and you'll come back and maybe you'll get it better the next time around. And so, uh, make a long story short, everything was so bad, I decided to try to commit suicide. Uh, and I remember, uh, looking down the South Central Los Angeles, clo close to a park where I grew up, uh, and there was a metro, metro rail train track. So I'm driving in my truck and, and I said, you know, cause I tried to overdose, but tolerance was so high, it just wasn't working. So I'm going to park on the train tracks and wait for this metro to come and just, and just, uh, and just take me out. But it, you know, I remember at those times the metro would pass every 10 minutes and it wasn't passing every 10 minutes that day. And so, uh, I said, you know what, let's, uh, you know, I took off and I was driving around, went out through Southgate and, um, seen a big warehouse right there. And, you know, what, I'm just going to crash my, my car on purpose into this wall and, and take myself out and, uh, maybe I'll get it right the next time around. Uh, and so, you know, I, drove a couple blocks up and put the pedal to the metal and crashed my truck into a wall on purpose. And, uh, the lights went out and I remember, uh, waking up and seeing the ambulance working on me and ripping up my shirt and hooking me up. And I went out again. Um, and then I woke up in the hospital and the doctors showing my face and doing all kinds of stuff and saying, I just remember him saying, this guy's going to need reconstructive surgery. Uh, and I went out and, uh, next time I woke up, I woke up in the hospital and I began to cry out to God. And I said, God, I know you're real. What's the right way to serve you? I don't even know how to look for you anymore. I said, but I, I, I failed at everything in my life. I can't even commit suicide. Right. I said, uh, you're going to have to do something with me. And so that was, uh, I want to say the first time I, I really cried out to God, uh, was after that whole, that whole instance. Wow. How, how old were you when that happened? Uh, 19. 19. My goodness. So my question was like, 
leading up to that, did you have, I mean, obviously you were, you, you were not um, feeling great about yourself, but like, did you have any internal sense of, of guilt or just being in bondage? Like what, what was your spiritual condition leading up to that? Uh, I mean, there was no spiritual condition. That spirit was dead. <laughs> that, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I always wanted a out for God, but I mean, when you're bound and, and, you know, you have all these, these crazy mindsets and ways of thinking, but I mean, I, I was never raised a Christian, uh, I've uh, never been really exposed to the gospel uh, prior to any of that. So, I, I mean, it was all just a guessing game, I guess. <laughs> wow. So, you know, some people I've talked to have, like, spiritual experiences when they're high. Or, you know, they have a trip and think about God. Did you ever have any anything like that happen to you? or No. Uh, no, I mean... I mean, just the normal hallucinations where you don't sleep for a week. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't, didn't really have any, uh, you know, of course, you know, of course you're opening spiritual doors and the devil's tormenting you and he's playing with your mind and putting things in your head, but, uh, uh, not nothing that I could pinpoint right now. Yeah. So looking back on it, you know, from your perspective now, can, can you see, points where like or you saw a strategy of hell like trying to keep you bound uh absolutely i mean uh that was a destroy i mean he wants every everybody's life destroyed um uh, i mean you're talking about generational curses that you know what the interesting thing is is when i when i met my real father uh i come to find that he methamphetamine with his father and so I meet my real father and I'm using methamphetamine with him and so you can obviously see that there's a generational curse and you know there's tendencies uh, broken homes and 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 etc that uh that the devil just kind of, kind of wants to prolong each generation yeah yeah absolutely and you know it's it uh, can be very difficult, especially if you know someone or you care about someone who's in that situation. I guess maybe maybe you could speak to that person who is trying to pray for that bound individual. Like, what? How would you direct them to pray? Well, I mean, I would I would pray that God would give them an awakening. I mean, that they would have something that would that would wake them up and 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 quicken their hearts. Uh, to give Jesus a try. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get to that here in a minute, but, uh, you know, I had tried different things, you know, and it just, it just, it just didn't work. And so I didn't, you know, in the back of my mind, I didn't think Christianity was, uh, was nothing more but another religion, just another option in the buffet. Uh, but when you actually give Jesus a try, you get revolutionized. This is this is the real deal. This is power. This is deliverance. You've reached the end of the preview of this Testimony Tuesday episode. If you want to hear the second half of this interview, please use the links in the show notes to subscribe. You'll get daily sermons, full testimonies, 
and an interruption-free listening experience. And every dollar goes to world evangelism. Thanks for listening to this episode of Testimony Tuesday on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.